Hello, everyone, and welcome to the She Wolf Podcast. I am Devin Amber Wolf, your reluctant host, and this is a brand new series that we're going to be embarking upon together right now. As you probably noticed, the intro music is different. I figured that wolves needed to play a part somehow, um, so hopefully it's not too spooky. I personally enjoy the sound of wolves howling immensely, and I hope you do too. So uh, today we're going to be doing a deep dive into the confluence of chronic illness, what is chronic illness, um, ableism, what is ableism, and modern spirituality or new age spirituality. And that's what this entire series is going to be about. And Uh, dissimilar to last time, uh, I actually wrote out everything that I want to say. Last time with the Neurodivergence series, um, I was just speaking directly from my mind and heart um, in the moment, but this time I wanted to be a little bit more prepared because there are a lot of very nuanced things to parse out in this series, um, especially in regards to the mentalities behind New Age spirituality and how it seeks to heal illness and what we as chronically ill people or acutely ill people are responsible for. And that's kind of going to be the axis of the entire series. Um, So I wanted to write it all out so that um, I didn't miss any points Also, I had asked a lot of you to um, contribute to this series in terms of what you wanted me to talk about, so that's going to be in this as well. Thank you very much for your contributions. So without further ado, uh, let's just dive in, shall we? Um, So chronic illness is defined as an illness with symptoms that are present daily or fluctuate but symptoms that exist for a very long period of time. One can be born with chronic illness, and I may shorten that to CI throughout this series, just FYI, uh, just for brevity's sake. So one can be born with CI, uh, falling under the umbrella of congenital disorders, or it may develop any time after birth. Autoimmune disease is one of the most prevalent forms of CI, affecting women disproportionately. It affects women 80% more than men. There are over 80 autoimmune diseases, and autoimmunity essentially means the immune system attacking healthy cells. So it's your immune system attacking your own body. There are other forms of chronic illness that manifest as viruses, such as Lyme, and the long-term consequences of Epstein-Barr, for example. There are autonomic nervous system disorders like POTS that generally have another primary cause but become their own set of debilitating symptoms. There are numerous vitamin and mineral deficiencies that sometimes go undetected for years, sometimes even decades. And finally, just to list off a few more examples, we have blood cancers, anemias, lymph cancers, asthma, diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's and other dementias, and the list unfortunately goes on and on. 
Now, the general rule, as most of us seem to know, of living in a body is that while its only job is to keep you alive and to heal itself, the body is also finite. So while there is always a goal of homeostasis in the body, it sometimes cannot be reached. Chronic illness is certainly not a death sentence in many cases, but it is a dysregulation that ushers one into a physical, emotional, and mental limbo that can feel like a kind of death. It is the cessation of a life that could have been, the life that maybe once was. If you entered the world as a healthy, able-bodied person, it is a place of grieving, mourning, and recapitulating value systems. And it is a place of ties to certain traumas, such as intergenerational trauma, habits, and lifestyle choices. In many cases, it requires a total overhaul of life as we know it, and it changes our worldview and self-view completely. It puts us in touch with the fleeting, precarious nature of the body and the nature of existence as a whole. It is challenging beyond measure. But as some of you may agree, in a few ways, the eye-opening nature of chronic illness can bring us into more harmony sometimes with our true selves and our spirituality. Now, of course, this takes time and isn't the immediate byproduct of this process, but it can happen eventually. However, the ableist-laden nature of our society and the minefield of modern spirituality can really make the process of being CI and accepting it very confusing and unnecessarily painful. We find ourselves mired in self-doubt, shame, guilt, seeking inclusion in a world meant to exclude what it deems to be weakness. Weakness and productivity don't match, and therefore a lack of productivity doesn't match with the colonialist capitalist ideologies we've been pledged into. And here is the juncture where we have the definition of ableism. So what is ableism? This is something that we covered in the last podcast series as well as in my handbook for the late diagnosed neurodivergent, but we'll go into it in depth here too. Ableism is a systemic fixation on the notion of an ideal body and building society around this ideal to the exclusion of everyone else. Ableism is primarily upholding those who are healthy in body and mind with no disabilities or neurodivergence, those mostly who are white and white passing, and finally mostly male. Ableism can obviously include female or non-binary folks too, as long as they pass well enough through the other hoops and can blend into the tapestry. The same goes for Black, Indigenous, or people of color, but as most of us know, and you should be aware of, the more systemic issues you have set against you, aka racism in this case, the more things like ableism will affect you. For example, if you are a chronically ill, disabled, autistic, Black, trans teenager, the issues you face systemically, unfortunately, add up. And since ableism's fixation 
is on a certain ideal that not only includes physical appearance, but also function, aka can you function highly in a society and be a good cog in the machine or not, because we really do emphasize function. If you can't walk the walk, if you can't talk the talk, and if you can't look the look, if you will, then you are on the difficult side of ableism and the way in which the world was not built for you. Most ableists don't know that they're ableist. Since this is a systemic problem, and by systemic we mean more or less grandfathered into every aspect of society and how the system itself works, we are indoctrinated into the ableist ideology from birth. All of us are. There is no escaping it. There is only undoing the brainwashing once you become aware of its existence. But the rub of that situation is that most of the time, if you're able-bodied and privileged, you're not going to know that this indoctrination and discrimination exists because it has never affected you directly and maybe never will. Now, that's unlikely, of course, um, because the body is finite. And so my feeling on this always is that ableists are going to have a rude awakening at some point. I also feel strongly that part of what fuels ableism to begin with is the fear of death and that quote-unquote man cannot be the ultimate conqueror that he has set himself up to be. Each time nature triumphs over short-sightedness, but man, and again I'm saying man because I'm pointing at how ableism is fundamentally colonialist and patriarchal, But man in all of his generations on earth has decided that to conquer is the only way to be. It is the only way to circumvent death, even if that notion is entirely illusory. Ableism has risen out of that fear of dying, especially in the West, in our culture, where we quite literally produce and produce and produce with no end in sight is a symbol for eternity. If we never stop, we never die. Disability, illness, quote-unquote otherness reminds us of our finitude. So we do our best to cast it aside. We throw it away. We refocus on the able and not the disabled. We think foolishly that focusing on the able means focusing on life itself, not taking into our hearts that every way that life presents itself is life. Every single facet of life and the spectrum between life and death is life. Every form is valid and can teach us something, and it certainly will teach us something if we allow it. Ableism doesn't want to be taught. Ableism wants to exude its entitlement, its privilege, its robust worthiness, and live according to its own ideologies. It does not want to be hampered or held down or bummed out by being reminded of death. And of course, I mean, we've seen this on display all throughout the COVID pandemic. The conspiracy theorists denying COVID's existence, the anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers, the government officials who decide to open things up preemptively, not giving a shit about the fact that disabled and chronically ill people 
will not also be opening themselves up to the world in order to continue protecting themselves from the virus and further complicating their already complex health situations. But that only, therefore, further isolates them from society. In January of this year, we had the director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, say verbatim, The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four other comorbidities. So these people who are unwell to begin with, and yes, really encouraging news in the context of Omicron. We are really encouraged by these results. And as a TikTok disability justice creator said, sometimes they say the real quiet part out loud. And there it is, summed up, yes? There's systemic ableism in one of its most heinous forms. We have the inherent fear of death, the bypassing of death, and the encouragement that people who look and feel like us are going to be okay. Death is allowed to and should just happen to those who are already sick because what the fuck kind of value or real contribution to society do they have anyway? Now, given this particular COVID context, perhaps I don't need to explain what the third segment of this episode Um, how ableism affects chronic illness, sufferers, and disabled folks. We've been living in this reality for two years, right? But what about how ableism affects us in other ways? Of course, this entire podcast series will be a deep dive into that, with modern spirituality being such a huge tendril of ableist mindsets. But as we covered in the Neurodivergence series, and as I got into in my handbook for the late diagnosed neurodivergent, ableism is a top-down, bottom-up problem. It isn't just systemic in terms of COVID protocol or not having as much sick leave as we need in our jobs, disability accommodations, etc. at work. But it also affects our interpersonal connections with all kinds of people, be they professional contacts, educational contacts, familial, friends, spouses, or other loved ones. The indoctrination runs deep. It runs all the way. So depending on if we've had an illness or disability our entire lives, or if we have one or many um, illnesses later on in life, the way that ableism affects us can be different. It can either be something we've dealt with for as long as we can remember, or it can be brand new. I personally can't speak on the experience as someone who has known ableism that has always been leveled at them, uh, despite being autistic from birth and therefore disabled. I didn't know that I am autistic until last year, and my chronic illness only began cropping up five years ago, becoming debilitating two years ago, so... Personally, I can only speak from the perspective of someone who thought that they were able-bodied and neurotypical until a short time ago. But this does offer me a unique perspective on both sides of the ableism coin, as I had a lot of internalized ableism that I had to start weeding out. And also, being part of spiritual communities since my Kundalini awakening at age 22, I've had a front row seat to the toxicity of modern New Age spirituality, self-appointed gurus, shamans like workers, 
energy beings, star seeds, and the list goes on and on. So buckle up, my friends, because now armed with this info on what chronic illness is and how ableism is tied to it, we are going to go on an odyssey that no one wants to go on. But unfortunately, we find ourselves in this dystopia. And I am your reluctant driver of this school bus. And I promise that by the time we're done, you will be going, what the fuck? You probably already are. I feel like this podcast is going to help a lot of people and also offend a lot of people. It's okay. I'm used to it. So until next time, love and wolves.